0: Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. I'm your host, James Intracasso. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. You just go to thetomeshow.com, and then you click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other, and then you just shop as you normally would. It's super easy. Uh, Today, we're talking about elemental evil in organized play. Let's meet the panel and kick things off with our guest know you question which element is the most evil mike shea let's start with you cryonax (laughs) that's right
1: somebody got screwed in this (laughs) elemental evil season and that and that would be cryonax who who would this cryonax be mike tell us uh, the elemental prince of ice and that's right there are five elements and one of them is ice We all know this. And yeah, so Cryonax, I think it was in the Fiend Folio originally. I'm I'm I I like Cryonax because uh I wrote a fourth edition version of Cryonax that was I believe the most powerful fourth edition officially published monster ever. Now, now we're just forgetting he ever existed. <laughs> but I'm
0: but I'm not bitter. Well, maybe maybe he'll show up in the more elemental evil storyline. <laughs> elemental evil or elemental? Uh, Topher Cohen, which element is the most evil?
2: I'm going to go simple. I'm going to say the air elemental evils. Mm. And the reason is, is the fact that old school wise, they're an SOB to hit because, you know, all slashing and, you know, all real damage that most parties do, mm-hmm. do does half damage or doesn't do any damage. And so I just, I find that evil. I find that deliciously evil, <laughs> I should say, from a DM's point of view.
0: <laughs> Joe Lestowski, which element is most evil?
3: I'm going to go with the Honda Element, uh, because if you've ever tried to drive one, it just... uh, No, actually, um, I I think uh, the first D&D product that I purchased was Dragon Mountain back in second edition D&D. And I thought you had to buy the miniatures with the Adventure, so I got the the miniatures set. And there was an Invisible Stalker in there, and that's actually a variant of an Air Elemental. uh, And I think that's the most evil, because the miniature was just a base with two footprints in it and, lame.
0: Uh,
3: yeah yeah it was the lamest mini ever but did it go for like 200 bucks it was it was more expensive than i wanted it to be because this is back when they were all metal before they had the resin models and that was That's pretty terrible. evil so
0: should should you not be giving an invisible stalker a mini because you can't see it so your players shouldn't know where it is on the grid
3: Yeah, you know, you'd think so, but... uh.
0: (laughs) Let's move into the meat of tonight's discussion. We're going to talk about elemental evil in organized play. But before we delve into elemental evil, I want to talk about Tyranny of Dragons. Uh, Where did you guys wrap up your Tyranny of Dragons campaigns? How did you end things? Did you end sort of in the middle of one story? Did you make it all the way to the end of Horde of the Dragon Queen? Did you just end with the encounters portion? How did you roll into the Elemental Evil storyline? People are probably rolling up new characters for that. Um, So did you just jump right into it? That kind of thing. So how did you make the transition? Mike Shea, let's start with you. So I, I actually am
1: running, I ran two tyranny of dragons campaigns, my home game and my encounter, the encounter game that turned into a casual play game. The casual play game we ended with them getting control of the flying castle, uh, taking care of Blagothkis, the cloud, by the way, this is full of spoilers, um, <laughs> taking care of Blagothkis, convincing him that they would rescue his sons because I changed the storyline that he doesn't just hate dragons. His sons are kidnapped by hill giants Oh, nice! and uh, they get the castle. And both groups figured out that they can flip the castle and dump all the bad guys out. You know, so so they they you know both groups ended up enjoying that part of it, and they both got it. So one group is continuing on with uh, Rise of Tiamat, my home game. We're going to go all the way through. Uh, but the encounter game that turned into a casual game, we're switching over to the new one. So, yeah, so I was able to I was able to do the full ending of the game. They they killed Resmir, they destroyed the Black Dragon masks. Uh, both groups did that. Um, I, I pulled your idea, I, I, I credit you completely with the success of my games, um, with the idea of, why can't they just get the mask? Like, really, is it that hard? And uh, so both groups got the masks, both groups fed the mask to the castle, which gives it enough energy to fly it for 5,000 miles, because uh, the castle actually requires magical items to fly, that's one thing I added. Um, nice. But but the dragon mask—it's ten gold pieces per mile, and the dragon mask <laughs> is worth fifty thousand gold pieces. Uh, I had a clever monk who took uh, Harzawan—I don't know how it's actually pronounced—Harzawan, uh, you know, which is the, the evil sword. The, the evil sword. He took it, thinking that he could transfer it over to his level one character <laughs> for princes.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, and I I had the um, joy. <laughs> of saying i'm sorry he built a whole character around it like a great weapon fighter he built it exactly right a great weapon fighter half orc <laughs> you know with the extra crit range and all the stuff and then i was like yeah you can't have it he's like what do you mean and i'm like look at the card it doesn't even have a place to transfer he's like i didn't write in my character's name yet and i'm like i know pretty much every game that's happening nearby They'll know if you're cheating. (laughs) He's like, you'll have to go
0: three states away to use Harzawan. He's like, I'm fine. But Harzawan's broken. (laughs) Well, and if they come out with some adventures that are for higher level characters, he can, you know, he can bring it in later. Yeah, he'll have
1: to multi-class the hell out of his monk.
0: (laughs) So that's how you ended Tyranny of Dragons. Have you started your Elemental Evil campaign yet? Yes,
1: we started on uh, Sunday.
0: Excellent, excellent. And how did that first session go?
1: Uh, they were riding in a cart with a guy who was telling him about this crazy-ass thing he saw where he saw a castle flying overhead that turned upside down and dumped, like, all these giants on him. And a giant landed and killed his horse. And he's trying to figure out who's going to pay for it. And he's pretty sure it was just, like, all the towns in the area hid all of their money just to increase taxes, <laughs> you know that there wasn't any cult that that's a ridiculous idea, <laughs> and okay. the parties and the party the groups like yep, we believe you I, absolutely that sounds like not nah, that's nuts <laughs> um so yeah that that's where we started off and then i i did i think what uh I think what Joe did, which is start off with a good fight in the beginning, yep, yeah, so I did the exact same thing as you know great minds think alike, I did the exact same thing, I had a bunch of the air elemental guys. Uh, they murdered a guy. They murdered a um, uh, order for the Gauntlet agent on the s- in the road on the way to Redlark. You know they fought these Howling Hatred initiates who had like the weird symbol of the elemental air on them and. You know, clearly like the group's like, ah, obviously these are elemental air people, but they're all playing like, who are these strange people?
0: <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good that they're playing along with the yeah. uh, with the idea. That's awesome. Uh, and I love the the little touch to tie it into your last story. I
3: think that's great. Yeah, it was kind of fun. <laughs> uh,
0: so Joe, uh, why don't you tell us, how did you end Tyranny of Dragons? And then how did you lead into Elemental Evil? All
3: right, well, um, we've had two different uh two different versions of that answer uh one with our expeditions group and one with our encounters group uh and there are players that go back and forth but uh they play different characters uh so we do expeditions on mondays and encounters on wednesdays for encounters we kept going with horde of the dragon queen up through the end so there was the big fight in the sky castle and uh it was it was a pretty epic fight it was it was pretty cool um and one of the at my table uh there was a very a very pious monk who served Bahamut, and he ended up taking uh, Hazaron there, the evil sword, and it was kind of like the end of the first Diablo, where you take the gem and jam it into your head and go off to try to deal with this evil yourself, so it's not loosed on the rest of the world. <laughs> I will accept the burden of this sword that does forty-six damage. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that was kind of cool. Uh, but in the expeditions group, uh, because the uh, The various adventures that have been released have not all necessarily matched with the levels of our party and whatnot. We've been going in between the Expedition Adventures and the Rise of Tiamat. uh, And with the recently uh, released Elemental ones, uh, I'm just going to work those into their ongoing quest to stop Tiamat. If we go through right now, there are two uh, second-tier adventures available uh, at the time of recording here. And if they finish those off and there's nothing left, we're going to keep going with the Tiamat storyline. Uh, and then if I have to rewrite a little bit so that, oh, they end up going back to this town where the, where the next elemental adventure is happening, we're going to keep doing that. And eventually they might get to Tiamat, who will probably kill them, as <laughs> I think we saw in a different podcast. But uh, but that's it's kind of ongoing as a way to, to cover when we don't have other adventures uh, for expeditions. Uh, as far as encounters, uh, our first session... Our first session was a character-building session because the DMs needed time to uh, read everything and get, get on board with stuff. But our first actual play session uh, this past Wednesday was um, I decided to use a flashback because I knew we had a lot of new players who were nervous about the system, who had heard that it was kind of deadly for low-level characters. So we started off at the inn in Redlarch, Larch, and uh, the innkeeper was was saying, Oh, it's so great to have heroes here. Tell us about that fight you had on the road here. And then we did a flashback, and so they all knew that they survived the fight, hmm. uh, but it, it gave them a chance to, to, uh, and they all also knew that they were going to get an extended rest when they were at this inn, so it, it gave them freedom to use their powers, to really play with stuff, uh, but not to worry about dying, uh, because <laughs> they knew you know, from a meta standpoint that they weren't actually killed. What would you have done if they, if they did? I don't know. <laughs> um, I, it was, it was, it was just a fight against some of the, the howling hatred initiates who are CR one eighth. Right. Uh, I think they were doing uh, four points of damage each. So I was, I was relatively certain that I wasn't going to kill anybody. Uh, but, uh, we had a couple waves of those and, and it felt like a good fight, but people were whipping out their daily powers because they knew that they were going to get an extended rest. So that, that sort of, uh, lessened the chance even more right. that anyone was to actually get killed. I'm always worried about a bad crit. <laughs> that's right, like, true. That's I've true. had
1: people that have like two hit points left, and then a bad guy, even with a dagger, crits and does like nine, and down they go.
0: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Especially if you have players like me who believe Constitution is a dump stat. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but moving on, uh, Tophir Cohen, how did you end Tyranny of Dragons, and how did you transition into Elemental Evil?
2: So we put it to a vote at the at our local friendly gaming store, and they opted to continue going. So we continued through Horde of the Dragon Queen, and we made it through, I think, all the way through Chapter 5. Um, as I said before on the podcast, I stopped DMing at the end of regular encounters, and I played for the, that extended session. I wanted to get try some new DMs out at the store, and I wanted a little break from DMing. So I bounced tables around. So <laughs> where the group actually stopped is kind of a, a little bit of a blur to me because I was on, uh, playing at a different table every week. But luckily for my store... You can go to geekdad.com and uh, James Kelly, who's an author there, is one of our DMs and has been chronicling his DMing Mm. and uh, actually went through and chronicled all of his time doing the extended session and where we ended and his thoughts on it and how he had to adapt and such. He did a really good job kind of um, as a DMing 101 on how to change the math and such
0: sure and we'll link to that at the dot in the
2: show notes for this episode if people want to check that out. Yeah, by all means. Um, but so we ended we ended it and then the the first week in March, first Wednesday in March I guess it was. No, the second Wednesday in March, the 11th, we did the we did character creation at the store to give the DMs a chance to kind of catch up on material and um and get stuff ready for uh the season and we had people help people create new characters. Mike I, I feel your story I had multiple people show up and wanted to use items and magic items from their previous characters and had to you know say no. Can, can uh, you
1: say no? I think it's legal, right?
2: Well, you know, you have to trade it to them. Oh. And so you have to trade it to your new character and your new character must have something of equal value to trade for. Ah. Good for you. So because they didn't what have the hells magic of items, equal what's equal value to Harzawan? <laughs> nothing um think of the most broken magic item you ever heard of yeah no times that by 10 um so we did that and then we started running on the 18th the first day that you know the season opened and uh it's been good uh we're kind of keeping to whatever the max is the adventure says so if it says it takes three to five weeks i'm telling the dms to make it go five weeks um and we and we you know we we meet up and we make sure everything's going well it's going really well the players are really loving this new stuff um I'm sure some of them by now have bought the hardbound book and have read ahead cuz they did it last season. For Expeditions, it's a little bit different for our store. We uh are only doing Expeditions on uh, on the first Sunday of every month. So we only do it once a month. So we're still in season 1. We're actually now in talks with the store to to do it more often so we could speed it up. People want to play the new content. Uh that's another conversation we're having in the store is making sure that people understand that h- what characters play in what tier and what level and what storyline and wizards actually came out with uh, one of the suggested rules, which we'll talk about here in a minute, that if you take your encounters character to play expeditions, that it can't come back to encounters until encounters has a long rest. So it doesn't, so it helps with the uh, messing up of the levels and such. We've just deemed at our store that you have to have a separate character for encounters and a separate character for expeditions. Just to make it easier on all the DMs. Yeah, we've done the same thing. Point. It That's just makes a lot more sense. We didn't do that last season, and we had people in chapter one of of Horde of the Dragon Queen who were level three. So, so, so appropriate math pretty So they exactly. actually got to fight the
1: rats and not get their asses kicked. <laughs> right,
2: exactly. Exactly. Um so we've we've kind of thrown that rule in there. So yeah. That's a long winded way of saying We did a little bit extra, then we started up on time, and it's been fun.
0: There has been a a player packet that has come out for Encounters, um, and I know the the stores receive stuff as well. Uh, What is different this season, uh, Topher? And I'm sure you can probably tell us because you are so involved in the Adventurers League. What's different um, this season as opposed to last season, other than obviously the stuff in the, the Elemental Evil Player's Guide with the new races and spells?
2: So some of the big changes are what rules you can and can't use. Mm-hmm. Um, so the allowed rules are the basic rules, the player handbook, the Prince of the Apocalypse appendixes, the, and the Elemental Evil Player Companion, and their monster manual. So all rules are, are good except for you can't play an Aracoco, which we talked about. We talked about the Player's compa- uh, Companion. And I I think it's, again, we want to state that I think it's because it brings too many things to the table for a new DM and encounters in general. An adventures league play, low t- low tier adventures league play, really should be fostering new DMs. Mm-hmm. And I think that just that brings too many things to the table. Um, the other thing is is that I mean, there's some other things. You know, obviously, there's some new pregens that go along with it. Uh, DMs not only get XP, they also get gold this time. You know, it's uh, it's uh, but the the rules in general are kind of the same. They kind of spelled out the same. They tried to make it more clear more concise than last season. they uh, A lot of feedback came in from this document from last season, and they really went through and tried to uh, make some updates. I can tell you that uh, the current version of the document is 2.0, and there is in works, in, in editing as we speak, a version 2.1 to fix some of the errors or some of the confusion people have seen in it.
0: Oh man, they should put this same team on updating the basic rules on the website. (laughs) Yes, yes.
2: Right on, right on. The real big reason for this document, the real key for this document is for adventures League play. And that's something that I've heard and I've read a lot online that people are getting their not quite understanding. If you're running a home game, right? If you bought the hardbound book and you're running a home game, you don't have to look at this document at all. This document really is for organized play, for adventures League play, and to kind of make sure that everybody's on the same foot so the true sense of what the Adventures League is supposed to be, I can take my character from my home-friendly gaming store to go visit Mike and James up in the uh, DC area and play there, and then go to Gen Con with it and make sure that my character is is okay to play and everybody's on the same footing. And I think it does that well.
1: What do you uh, you mentioned that they're going from a two zero to two one. Can you say what they're what they're looking at? What what you, what you guys are changing?
2: Yeah, there's some errata. I mean, there's some just you know. As you put a document out of any decent size? There is going to be some. Oh darn it! That so got it's mostly sinning. like
1: typo-y sort of stuff, or is it? Is there it is like- some of that,
2: and, the, and yeah, there is some typo-y stuff, and there is some 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 specific things which I I am not one hundred percent sure, so I don't want to say them. But I right. know for a fact that we are clarifying some things that were not as clear as they should have. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. Yeah, things that it's like, oh, this could be interpreted this way, um, right? As opposed to, but the,
2: the the big takeaway from that is, is that unlike last season. This season, there's an active group within the Adventures League campaign staff and the regional and local coordinators who's going to be looking at this document and listening to people how they're using it and making updates as the season goes.
0: Uh, you know, those guys really know their stuff. Uh, the the guys who run the Adventures League, um, they are great, and they obviously have a lot of great people like Topher helping them out as well. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the expedition. So, obviously, encounters, right? Um, follows the Princes of the Apocalypse storyline. Expeditions is something that you can only really play through organized play, and I'd like to talk to the author of one of these expedition <laughs> adventures right now, uh, Mike Shea. Uh, Yay. <laughs> how have you found these uh, expeditions adventures to be so oh, far? Man.
1: You are you are calling me out because the only one I've read is my own. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually I haven't um I have I'm I'm not actually running any expeditions adventures for a little while because um, we have a local convention and I'm running some other some other games there. Um, so I haven't actually and I, I've been kind of focused so much on encounters that I haven't actually looked at any of them. I'm excited. Oh, and actually, I, I didn't look at them. Ah, I remember. I didn't look at them on purpose because I'm playing in a bunch of them at this convention I'm going to and um for example i think they've got one thing that i think is fantastic that they're that that they're doing this time around is they have some introductory level adventures that are designed just for level ones to get up a little bit um because one of the problems that i've had overall is level ones are so squishy Mm -hmm. that trying to throw them in a one to four adventure you know they're gonna get their asses kicked and i've seen it happen both in encounters and in expeditions so the idea of like if you want to be level 1, you know, start off with these adventures. They're designed for level 1s. They they shouldn't, you know, they're not going to chew you up. I don't think, but you know, the problem is the level 1s are still real squishy. <laughs> um so I I like I'm pretty happy with that. I also think that there's probably more 5 to 5 to 9 adventures or 6 what is it? 5 to 9 or 5 to 10?
0: 5 to 10, yeah.
1: 5 to 10. I I have a feeling there's more of those. And I th- I think it's always interesting in the I think I've been through 3 iterations of organized play campaigns, like big, big campaigns. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always interesting what happens when you have your dedicated people that are all high level, and a bunch of newbies that are all low level, and everybody's complaining about not having an adventure. <laughs> you know, everyone's complaining that there isn't an adventure for them. Like that, that's a problem that seems to come up every, I think it's pretty much every edition of D&D that comes out. Sure. Um, there's, yeah. there's there's this period of time where it's like the diehards are all like, where's my level 20 stuff? <laughs> and, and everyone's also, also like, I, hey, I, I heard about D&D and I'd like to play. I'm like, sorry, everything's 15 and above. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's an interesting problem to deal with. What can you tell us about uh, the Drowned Tower? Uh, it's probably the best adventure that's ever been written. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Does Cryonax appear?
1: Yeah, Cryonax is the boss. <laughs> uh, I I made it myself. Um, what can I tell you? I mean, I could tell you all kinds of spoilers. So I'll, I'll tell you. So Drown Tower. I when I sat down to write the Drown Tower, my my intent was to write a nice, straightforward D and D adventure that didn't have a lot of like crazy, you know, s- twists and turns that DMs would have a hard time navigating when they're running it. So I, I tried to write one that was, a, a, you know, really boilerplate in in what it did. It, it starts with a fight. You, you, you know have a couple of interesting role play encounters that have sort of two different factions you can work with. Uh, every direction you go leads you to the drown Tower. The drown Tower itself is actually really cool. I heard about the- <laughs> so, this. So was kind of funny. There's the, um, some inside baseball. Um, I didn't really have a lot of guidance into what the Drowned Tower actually was. You know, mm-hmm. it was mostly like, it's got to have a drown Tower. It's got to have some of these things in it. And you're, there, you have to give this magic item away, which I thought was kind of funny. And, um, so I'm like, well, underwater sucks. Like, I don't want to do anything underwater. And it's called the drowned tower. Mm -hmm. How am I going to do this? That isn't underwater. (laughs) And I said, how about if it was buried in mud? Like what if it's under a giant mudslide and the only the tip of the tower is exposed and instead of a dungeon crawl that goes up the tower, you start at the top and work your way down the tower. And the further down you go, like it's been crushed in the sides from all the mud and there's a constant feeling that like any minute, this whole thing's going to collapse on you and drown you in the mud. And no one will ever hear about you again.
2: Oh wow! So,
1: so that was kind of a fun, you know, a fun thing to throw in there.
2: That uh, is also, awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, the one of the more fun moments was I sat down and said, "Okay, what does this tower look like?" It's it's uh, more more spoilers. Um, it's an old Zinterim keep, like you know, back back when Zinterim and Mulmaster governments were working together. Uh, the Zentrum said, "Hey, if yeah, we'll help you out, but we get to put a watchtower nearby. So they built this tower. It's like a garrison. So I designed the entire tower as it was when the Zentrum owned it, and then figured out how the mud was crushing it, and then like would draw in areas that have now been to- totally overtaken. And it was the only way I could figure out like what does half of a room look like that's been filled up with mud."
0: Wow, this was a real labor of love. That's awesome. It was,
1: it, yeah, it was fun. I mean, mm-hmm. I really like doing it, and and you know, I hope people, I hope people like running it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the, the other hard part of it is trying to figure out like, you know, and this is a whole, the whole elemental evil thing is, is kind of stuck on this problem that, you know, the worst kept secret about the elemental evil, it's, it's really all about Tharzadun, but nobody ever wants to say anything about that. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's kind of a spoiler unless you've been following D and D for 40 years, you know, cause you know, we've been, we have figured this out. So like, how much do you want to give away in an adventure? that makes people kind of get the hint about a bigger thing that's going on without just being like, yeah, oh, by the way, Thar's a dune, <laughs> you know? So so it's kind of, yeah, it was it was kind of fun. And a little tricky to write an adventure when I wasn't talking to any of the other people writing adventures, but we kind of knew that there should be hooks between what we're doing and what other people are doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you, you you know, I was always nervous about like, well, can I just invent a character? And if I do, is there a chance it'll show up in something later, hopefully? Or, you know... So that mm-hmm. that's it's it's hard. I mean, what would be best is we all had a year to do it, and we all you know got flown into a hotel where we could all work together <laughs> and come up with a giant adventure series that we all did. But instead, it, you know deadlines were. I think I had a month to write it, <laughs> and you know it was. It, it, and and um,
0: no you one know, flew you to
1: a hotel. No one flew me to a hotel. Trying to trying to get all the details worked out so that it was open enough was was interesting, and you know. But I I think the results will be cool.
3: Uh, I just wanted to say, uh, and this doesn't really spoil anything, but I, I wanted to commend you, Mike, on uh, there is one section of the Drowned Tower uh, called the Collapsed Privy. That's yeah. just <laughs> a room that's a... And, and, and far too often in dungeon design do you see uh, bathrooms neglected. Right, right. And so I appreciate that that's in there. And Did that you, you get little- the... So,
1: so here's my This, again, spoiler. So if you're playing the Drowned Tower, don't listen. Um, and if you're running the Drowned Tower, pay very careful attention. Uh, there's a trap on one of the doors That's a fear trap, and it's right outside of the privy, and there's a percentage chance that if you get feared, you will run into the privy, and it collapses underneath you and sends you into a, I think it's an Atyag? (laughs) I don't think it's an Atyag. No, no, it's uh, filled with grubs. It's like old... Yeah, like a grub swarm. So it's specifically designed, because I just think it'll be awesome if people like go running into a, you know, collapsed privy full of grubs.
0: I tried <laughs> to make that's... like the most
1: disgusting thing that
2: could
0: ever happen to a character. <laughs> Pretty great. I love that there's a a comedic B horror movie scene in the middle <laughs> right. of the adventure.
2: First of all, Mike, I'm a little, little disappointed in you. You didn't invent a elemental fecal monster. For yeah. the, the fall through. Come on, dude. Yeah, I
3: know. <laughs> an experimental? Who would invent something like that? Exactly.
2: Experimental? <laughs> experimental? Um, that's that's sure. good. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, but secondly, uh, so for people who are listening who are thinking that I want to design adventures or Wizards of the Ghost, uh, did they come to you? Did you pitch them? How did this come about? Um, I
1: When uh, Chris Tulak was, uh, I think he put out an open call. No, it wasn't an open call. There was a call that went out to a bunch of people that had written for Watsu before. And this was a long time ago. And um, he said, you know, who's interested in general? And I'm like, me, I'm interested. And then I didn't hear anything for a while. Um, and then I think there was another call to people that said, hey, we've got some stuff and we have really short deadlines. And I said, I'm in, I'll figure it out. And, um, and then it just rolled from there. So there is an open call that goes yeah. out. But yeah. I don't think, yeah, this one wasn't through an open yes. call.
2: Yeah, the open call just closed recently. Yeah, right. yeah at the beginning right. of
0: March it closed. So,
2: so my follow up to that, Mike. So for those same people who think they want to do this, what's your one piece of advice to them?
0: Uh,
1: my biggest piece of advice is not worry about getting published by anybody else. And if you've got good ideas, just make them and put them on the web. You know, like we now have free access to put everything we want. You can try kickstarting stuff. You can, um, you know, you could put stuff up for a dollar, an RPG now, uh, you know, it's not easy and there, you know, there's a million other people that are also putting out stuff. So, you you know, trying to figure out what you're going to, what, what little niche of the world you're going to carve out. That's going to make a difference. But, um, you know, the dirty secret is I never pitched anybody, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll throw my name in a ring if, if it comes up, but I, I don't, I don't seek out to get published by different groups. I'll, I'll make my own stuff until. You know, it sounds snobbish, until they come to me. And, you know,
2: <laughs>
1: many times they don't, <laughs> So, which is perfectly fine. Like, I think the last thing I wrote for Wizards was uh, Vault of the Dracolich, which is a year ago.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So it, it's been yeah. a long time since I wrote anything for them.
3: But they did still reuse that map in the DMG. I know. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> so, Joe, you
0: talked a little bit about expeditions. How do you think expeditions are shaping up so far for Elemental Evil? And do you like what you're reading?
3: I like what I've read so far. I like, the thing with Expeditions that I like, and Mike touched on this a little, is the idea that uh, it feels, for a DM, it feels a little more structured uh, than Encounters does. Um, Way back in a previous edition that nobody wants to talk about, but that I really enjoyed, (laughs) fourth edition, uh, the Encounters program, you could show up as a DM half an hour early, read the adventure, and be ready to go. Uh, and I feel like, uh, encounters doesn't, doesn't really do that anymore. You kind of need to know the whole story of what's going on. Uh, but expeditions, I I still have that feel. I still have the, here's the summary of the adventure at the beginning. Here's how long it ought to take. Here's, here's, uh, the things you'll be facing and what you're going to go through and the, the, behind the scenes plot going on and what you tell players. And so I really enjoyed that. Uh, and I, I hope that, uh, I hope that continues, uh, not that I'm a new DM, but I am a DM who often doesn't have time to be uh, fully read up on everything. So it's nice to be able to grab an adventure, study it for a half an hour, an hour beforehand, and be ready to go.
2: So uh, I have to agree with both these guys. And I was at a local con in Asheville a couple weekends ago, and I was up there just to play. Um, I ended up running a low level adventure, but I ended up, was really there to play, and I played a ton of D&D, and I played ddex 1-10 through i'm looking now to make sure i get the numbers right through DDX 1-14 no through 1-13 over the weekend and so because of that i got that storyline that storyline happened for me i saw the logical progression i saw the adventure hooks that were in the earlier ones that got back to the older ones you know to the newer ones and i liked that i liked the fact that i felt like i was part of a campaign and that was um a ton of fun and i think that's something they're doing very well with expeditions in general the last season and again from what i've read this season i've I've read most of what has already been produced for this season already so i think they're doing it again the same way
0: nice nice well that's really good that uh that you're feeling good about this and it means that people out there who have not checked out the Adventurers League yet should definitely make the effort to uh, at least get to some of these Expeditions games. Uh, they're usually on the weekend, so you know they fit into your schedule pretty easily and everything. And you can probably find a store somewhere near you that is playing them. Uh, if not a store, Robert always says you know libraries can form groups to get these adventures and, and that sort of thing. So uh, there are ways to get your hands on these adventures and play them. Let's talk about this so far. Then, Elemental Evil. What are you guys loving? What are you guys uh, a little wary of so far as we're looking at this uh, Elemental Evil storyline? Your likes, your dislikes, your loves, your hates. Uh, Mike, um,
1: I I think the adventure is so. I love Fandelver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know Fandelver to me is so far the most fun I've had running Fifth Edition straight adventures, and um, I enjoyed. Uh, the Tyranny of Dragons adventures, but they are very different kinds of adventures. They're extremely loose. Uh, they're actually pretty linear, at least the the first one, Horde, is pretty linear in how it, you approach it and everything else. It starts off with the whole crazy, hey, look, our town's on fire, and there's a blue dragon that you have to... Well, one of my players actually said, hey, please tell me that in this one, I'm not going to be indebted to a blue dragon in the first, se- you know, first episode. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you're, you're cool. So this one... Reminds me very much of Fandelver. It's, it's a loosely structured adventure, but it's got enough directions that you can go. There's lots of choices. Um, it's really well put together. Uh, I just, I, you know, it feels like a much better extension of Fandelver than, um, than I think Tyranny of Dragons did. Um, my one apprehension, particularly with the, the, the organized play version, the Expeditions version, is it takes a long, it's, it feels like it's going to take a long time to get to level two and uh level one is just so squishy there's not a whole lot you can do and one bad you know one bad hit can knock someone out and i think that's a terrible way to start a campaign it's particularly a terrible way to start somebody off with at D mm-hmm. um i always i always like to try to get to people level two and three as fast as i can by you know fight some rats and then have a good stern conversation and now you're level two <laughs> and and the way it you know the way it feels like you can go through i think it's like three or four different little mini adventures before you hit level two um which you're talking about expeditions or encounters? yeah i'm sorry encounters
2: yeah Did I so say encounters is that you're encounters. right mike you're supposed to do the first three mini plus the first quote-unquote big adventure yeah encounters before you get to level two and yeah it's a it's a test for to the dms
1: yeah well i think it's too much of a test like to me to me it's you know and the, i think the the actual published adventure says the same thing like they're they're you know, there's, 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 you know, beats where it says like, this is your one to two. I just think, you know, it's 300 experience points. It shouldn't be that long to get there. And, um, I just think the risk, you know, because what we're really talking about is the risk of getting a critical hit and dying and that risk those goes down significantly when you're double, when you double your hit points. Um, but I'll live and I'll just, you know, um, <laughs> I'll run it. The, the, the other hard part is, is that there's, uh, there are experience caps, so there's an experience cap that says, like, you can't go above 300 experience points for those first, whatever they are, four adventures, four, four mini scenarios. But I, I don't really have any control over it if I'm running multiple sessions. Like, if they leave and go somewhere else, mm-hmm. um, I, I can't limit them to 300 because, you know, I don't know how many they got somewhere else. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to wing it like I, like I winged it last time, you know. And, and, but yeah, I just, my main thing is I just want to get them to third level. As quick as possible. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and I think that was uh, right. Obviously, there's a slog at the beginning of Tyranny of Dragons as well.
1: Oh, God, one. yeah, <laughs> so that was far worse. Like, this one's this one's not nearly as bad as that. This one, it's like, you know, th- there's a whole thing where you're fighting a necromancer and his zombies, and you never fight. There's like one zombie or two zombies, a couple, and the, and the necromancer's a, you know, he's a coward. He, like, hides behind curtains, so he's not really... You know, walking out there with prismatic spray. Right. You know, um,
0: so yeah. so I think it's pretty safe. <laughs> um, so there's no adult dragons, and you get to yeah. take an extended rest right. once in a while. And so. you don't, yeah, you don't
1: have a, a, a CR4 champion that walks out. So it's like, okay, who wants to take me on one on one?
0: Well, that's good. That is, that is definitely a good thing that, uh, that we're seeing those things. So, um, and it certainly does, like you said, it seems like a nice storyline. I, uh, reading through the book, it's, it's got me excited for sure. Yeah.
1: The book, the book is just fantastic. I mean, I just, you know, I'm a little worried that it's going to be like the same problem with every other elemental evil adventure, which is like, it's great if you mind six, if you don't mind six months combing through a dungeon. Right. Um, But but just the feel of it, it just feels like Fandelver And I just love Fandelver so much. It's sort of this town, and you go in and out and in and out. And there's all these, like, which path do you want to take? And a lot of options. So so I really dig that. I, I'm not going to really limit. I'm not going to try to extend it too far. I'm just going to go straight from expeditions into or encounters into uh, casual play. And then play. Because I have a pretty consistent group, and they don't really play at other events.
3: The one thing I want to say is that I appreciate the PDF a lot more now that I have the hardcover. Mm -hmm. Or, or I, I feel like I'll be able to use the PDF better now that I have the hardcover version, um, because they're uh, out of necessity, they had to cut down a lot in the PDF. And there are little things in there that I was wondering about that the hardcover, uh, clears up for me. And, and so that's, that's kind of a nice, a nice to have those two together. It's a lot easier to run, uh, encounters than to just have the PDF. Uh, one of the interesting things we saw with, uh, with the encounters version is that there's really no reason for the players to be in the town of red Larch, which is kind of where everything starts off. It's their home base for a little while. Um, there are in the hardcover, there are some, some background plot things that you can give uh, players that will get resolved later on uh, in the hardcover version, but you're never going to get to those plot points in the, in the uh, encounters version. And so it was just kind of up in the air. So we, we actually created a, a table of, of, random reasons why you might want to go to Redlarch and there's not that many cuz it's really a very uh not super exciting town. Uh, <laughs> if if you look through, you know, different it has forgotten rollers, history and whatnot. Yeah, there there's a there's this this crumble cake there that tastes kind of land but the town is known for it <laughs> right <laughs> and they it's it's named after these trees that were cut down
1: yeah right we, my group my group got on that right away like wait a minute this place is named after trees that they cut down yeah I, I are you publishing your backgrounds anywhere because they're I really wish I had used them
3: I, I put them I put them up on the uh, the the D and D adventures league site. Uh, they it's in a post there, but I can, I can give them, we can post them here as well. Uh, yeah,
1: they're so like, I, I, I made the mistake. I, I got the published adventure before I ran the, before I started the first session and Mm -hmm. I made the mistake. Well, except I am going to be running the full thing, but I made the mistake of giving them those backgrounds. And Uh even though I think they will eventually get there, it's still not, it's not a close enough hook to get them into the town and meeting people and doing stuff. And I, it, you know, it wasn't my best game because of that. Like I, I, I wish I had used the one that you created
3: because, uh, the encounters version of the story is kind of a, a buildup to get folks to the level that they ought to be to do the hardcover version. I I'm worried that there might not be a, a good sort of, uh, completion to the storyline for the players that are just coming to encounters. I like Letting my players feel like they've accomplished something, that they've come full circle, that they've reached a good a good stopping point, and so that's that's going to be an interesting thing to make sure that we work it so that whatever fights they have at the end feel like a, a big important fight. I mean, they're not going to get to the big foes that are in the hardcover version, but uh, but I think that'll be that'll be an interesting thing to see to see how we work that uh, with the uh, with the previous one when we did uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen. We actually changed it so that the dragon that was up in the sky castle with uh, with Resmir was the blue dragon that they fought before, uh, but had been injured Such by other adventurers or other th- things like yeah. that, so that they could they could kill that dragon and, and feel like, oh, we were scared in the beginning, but now we're heroes and we've defeated him, kind mm-hmm. of thing. So.
0: Uh, well, Joe, I know you always have uh, great modifications and stuff that you make to your adventures. So I look forward to uh, reading those and and seeing what hooks and that kind of thing that you add for your game here for Elemental Evil. Uh, Topher Cohen, what about you? What do you love, hate about uh, Elemental Evil so far?
2: So I have not made my way all the way through the Hardbound yet. But I have read most of the Encounters and Expeditions so from that point of view, like I said earlier, I think expeditions is a complete storyline, and if you if your players can get all the way through all the Exped- all the expeditions, then I think they're going to get the full flavor and the finish they're looking for. Uh, I agree with Joe. I think that the way they've adapted the hardbound version of it for encounters is pretty, pretty great. They had to go through and do some serious tweaking to make it work, and I think. I think that's a a testament to the campaign group and making it work in the stores. Uh, I'm excited about seeing where they go with encounters. And I think I'm going to probably do what both Mike and I, it sounds like Joe is doing, is that once they're done with encounters, we're going to be moving straight into casual play. So we're going to, you know, really interesting how that's all going to tie together. Uh, I am a little done with the the bad guys being cultists. Can we have something else, please? Anything (laughs) else, please? Seriously. (laughs) Uh, Can we have a, a left? Uh, can, we, can we have a rambling horde of were-rats? Let's just do that. Let's just make that the bad guy. <laughs> well, uh, I, I don't care. It's just I'm, I'm done with cultists. I, I mean, understand why, but... Yeah, you need to have some
0: large somewhat secretive organization trying to destroy the Sword Coast or the world. Or, you know, um, and cults, cults are great for that, you know? Uh, but, you know, maybe you'll see an invading Thayan army at some point or, or something like that. So where can people find you, Mike Shea? Uh,
1: SlyFlourish.com and Twitter.com slash SlyFlourish. Excellent. And Topher Cohen, where can
0: people find you? Uh,
2: they can find me on the Twitters at ATL. That's T-O-P-H-E-R-A-T-L. Also on Google Plus and, and the Facebooks for the same thing. And if you live in the metro Atlanta area, come on out to Titan Games and Comics in Smyrna, Georgia on Wednesday nights for our organized play.
3: And Joe Lustowski, where can people find you? I am uh, on the Twitter at uh, Joe Listowski. I also write for a website called uh, actsofgeek.com. I'm doing a column there right now called uh, Dragon Through Dungeons, which is sort of random things about D&D running uh, as a DM. Cool stuff like that. And I'm also in uh, the Northeast in Massachusetts, Western Massachusetts, at Modern Myths in Northampton on Monday and Wednesday nights, running either expeditions or encounters. Excellent. And people, if you have a question or topic you'd like to hear us discuss on the roundtable, you can reach
0: out to me on Twitter at James Intercaso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Or you can leave us a comment on the Tome Show's website, thetomeshow.com. And a quick shameless plug for me, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition world that I'm building. It's at worldbuilderblog.me Okay everyone, thanks for listening and thanks to Mike, Topher and Joe. Also, many thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup and Sam Dillon for getting the podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D classics to help support the show and hey if you like the show please go rate the tome show on itunes and like us on facebook seriously rating us on itunes helps a bunch Uh, keep on rolling and keep on listening to the roundtable